Spotted, the old man here from the old man's podcast. Uh, on Monday, the 26th, we did an interview with author Neil Offen. His book is called Building a Better Boomer. This is our 2024 first in our series of author highlights. So without further ado, here is Shonda with her interview of Neil Offen. Enjoy. Excited to speak to you too. I, of course, am an Xer, <laughs> but I am eternally grateful to have been raised by boomer parents. So, we are talking to author Neil Offen, N E I L O F F E N, and we are talking about his book, Build a Better Boomer. And the subtitle on that is How to Deal with Bothersome Bodies, Exhausting Exercise, Memory Missteps, Terrifying Technology impossible insurance, retirement regrets, foreign foods, and, oh yeah, aging. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a funny book. It's very interesting. It's a, it's a quick, easy read. Um, and how did you come up with the idea? Is it something you've been working on for years, or did it just flash by you? Well, I've been a, a columnist, a humor columnist, for a number of years on two continents uh, in different places. And I started to realize about three years ago that a lot of my humor columns had a common thread. The common thread was how people my age, how baby boomers deal with a world that is so different from what they grew up with and it's a world that they're trying so hard to keep up with. You know, the generation before boomers, um, they weren't obsessed with staying young forever. They were content to be in their lazy boy recliners and watch the world pass them by because they knew they had wisdom and perspective and the senior day at the supermarket. Boomers, mm -hmm. not quite so much no longer young, many of us seem to want to continue to act young and be young. And that's not easy. As we were talking before about technology, it's really complicated. So we do things like we run half marathons and we run full marathons and we hire personal trainers and then check our heart rate on a Fitbit as if we understand what our heart rate really is. We have no idea. <laughs> We play pickleball and we're disappointed to learn that there are no gherkins involved. We go, <laughs> we go to yoga and Pilates and we do Zumba and Tai Chi. And we'd probably do downward dog if we could figure out how to do upward dog immediately afterwards. <laughs> um, we're worried about dementia and we try to, we do Kijong to ward off osteoporosis and play brain games to ward off dementia. We get new knees, we replace our hips, we swap out our rotator cuffs. And despite all of that, we still don't really know who Olivia Rodrigo is. We can't tell the difference between Dua Lipa and Doja Cat and really have no idea who either of them is. And 
when we um, when we listen to music, we all have Spotify and Pandora playlists, but also we have old 45s and LPs, and we're sort of caught between two generations and, and, and two experiences. And the thing about boomers are that one out of seven Americans is a boomer today. It's still a very, very large age group. And 10,000 boomers turn 65 every day. And we're trying to find our way, you know, in this new world that's complicated. Our bodies are starting to break down. And we're trying to figure out how do we hear better? How do we see better? How do we retire better? How do we exercise better? How do we eat better? Because there are all these foods now that um, we had never heard of. Whoever heard of quinoa, you know, when we were growing up. So it's it's a complicated period of time for baby boomers. And that's not even mentioning COVID, where we were the, the target demographic and we were constantly referred to as the elderly and the fragile and worst of all the dead. So mm -hmm. it's 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 a tough time to be a boomer, but we're we're plowing ahead and I think we're really doing okay. Yeah. Well, you say uh, here most of us are gray-haired, stiff-backed, and still using a Hotmail email address. Yes, <laughs> I think yes, that's apt. And some of you are still using AOL. <laughs> who even knew that still existed? Um, I have a number of did... friends who use AOL. <laughs> how did you I'll, become I'll a this, columnist? Shonda. Yes. I have a AOL as a as a backup email account, along with a Gmail as my primary. Oh, there you go. I have a MindSpring. Um, Oh, yeah, you know, I haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah, there are still some of those out there. Um, how did you become a columnist? So I've been a um, journalist all my adult life. I started out as a sports reporter um, back a thousand years ago. I was a, um, I covered baseball and ice hockey for uh, a New York newspaper. Um, I, um, went from there to writing uh, for magazines, for things like Good Housekeeping and Reader's Digest and Esquire, and then wrote books. Uh, I wrote books about sports fans, about the training of a, of a young physician. Um, and then when um, I moved to Paris, this was 40 some odd years ago now, um, I was the editor of a weekly newspaper in Paris, started writing columns there, and, um, and have continued after we came back to the States, writing for different publications uh, here in North Carolina uh, and, and elsewhere. And writing a column is, is a wonderful discipline. It forces you to every week or every two weeks, however the, the frequency is, it forces you to get those 700 words in, whether you feel like it or not. And what I was trying to say before is the more columns I wrote, the more I realized that there was that common thread 
about growing older in a world that we hadn't made. And it led me to believe that there was a book there about um, making fun of all the advice that baby boomers get. You know, here's how to retire. Here's how to sleep better. And it's always the same kind of information, the same kind of advice. And I decided to make fun of it in a book. Yeah. Well, and, you know, humor is interesting because you seem to do it very effortlessly in your book. And I was saying to my husband the other day, I'm so much more boring than that. I <laughs> People who are humorists have a knack for barely twisting something that's just normal and looking at it in a slightly different way that makes it funny. I mean, well, for instance, you talk about your bodily deterioration being a matter of perspective. And you say, here's what I mean. Look on the bright side. When you get a cramp in your foot and you can't walk, remember, you most likely have another foot. Let it work for its keep. It may turn out this foot was your favorite one all along. That's funny. But well, you have to think that way to be able to come up with it. Um, thank you. Um, I, I think it's funny, too. Uh, and, um, you know, my wife thinks it's funny. Um, you know, friends think it's funny. Um, the reviews of the book um, have thought it's funny. Um, one of the things where you, that you do when you're a, a humorist, when you try to write humor, is you try to um, take a logical situation and instead of the logical conclusion, make it something absurd. Um, you know, you, uh, I, I think in, in that same chapter, I talk about um, exercise and how, you know, you can walk anywhere except at, in the um, middle of the Atlantic Ocean, which is not a really great idea to walk there. Um, <laughs> I talk about, you know, starting slow, like maybe, you know, walking out to your mailbox and if you hit the wall, it's probably because you went in the wrong direction. Um, it's taking <laughs> just a normal um, phrase, a normal concept, a normal idea, and just twisting it a little bit at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so, old man, if you're feeling a tingling sensation in your fingertips, let go of the ice cream and close the freezer door. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, you start, you know, you start seeing, I think, um, and one of the ways to get through um, your 70s and get through a period of time when, you, when you're getting older is, is to look at the absurdity of it and look at, you know, why, um, you know, you know, we're, we're, t we're told, for instance, about retirement, that you, um, you know, should always start early planning for retirement. And so I suggest starting at 4 a.m. in the morning, um, which is always <laughs> a good idea. And, and things like that, tr taking literal advice and trying to play with it and trying to make and trying to point out the absurdity in it. Well, and I find that people respond better to humor in a lot of ways because making us laugh keeps us interested and engaged. Um, 
so I tend to follow the let's be grateful route and I you know I follow the very calming and find serenity and but turning it on its head and making it funny I think garners a much larger more interested audience I hope so um, I think the idea um, of the book and I've actually been surprised that some of the reviews have pointed out that there's lots of good advice here that was purely by accident um, <laughs> You know, the, my idea was to try to make people laugh at, um, at how silly and absurd um, all of the advice um, we get. You know, the advice on sleeping, for instance, we're told, and you know, you can see this in every magazine and every newspaper and every AARP newsletter, it'll be stuff like, Make sure the room is dark. Like, right, you were going to actually turn on all the lights and, you know, you know, have a marching band move through. So my idea was make sure the room is calm and by preference, it should have a bed in it. You know. <laughs> you know, the I'm sorry, go ahead. Neil, I was just wondering if I could ask you a question. Do you find uh the humor? Do you find a big difference in the humor between the generations? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I, I think that um, my generation, the baby boom generation, we're more used to um, clean humor. I think um, we're more used to um, the absurdity of things. I think younger generations, and this is a really good question, I think are more their humor is more visual. I mean, I think they're so much glued to their screens that they're more interested in memes, which is a word that most um, baby boomers can't pronounce accurately. Um, I think they're more interested in stuff they, they see online than in um, stuff that they are, um, would be reading. Um, I think, I think funny is funny. And I think um, that most um, boomers, um, having grown up through a period, you know, starting with um, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show and um, the Kennedy assassinations, I think there's a, um, an absurdity that boomers have that maybe younger generations don't see because they're they are so used to almost the impossible impossibility of things happening i don't know if that if i'm making myself clear but i do think there is a difference mm -hmm. well i like your um recommendation for avoiding falls be careful going up or down stairs if your stairs are particularly steep consider installing a zip line. If there are just a few, ask a neighbor to carry you. <laughs> well, you know, and I if mean, you're, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that, um, as, as most boomers know, falls are the leading cause of winding up on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if you're falling backward, tuck your chin to your chest, round your back, pull your knees up to your diaphragm, and curse all the fall prevention advice that recommends you do all that in the split, 
split second that you are falling. Exactly. Exactly. That 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 you know again that that's part of the the really obvious advice that we we all get that yes we know that you know um, tell us something you don't know and i'm trying to tell people something they don't know <laughs> on a serious note i think i think a lot of people think because we're boomers that we're just all around ignorant uh that's just kind of my observation, you know. I don't well, think so. Maybe about so. modern life in a lot of ways. Well, but you're the common well, sense generation. For instance, I have a question for all of you. Um, the Grammys were just a few weeks ago. How many m new modern performers who were up for Grammy nominations? Did you recognize? Could you identify? Well, I have to admit, I didn't, I don't, and didn't watch the Grammys. But if I did, I probably would have known one. Yeah, I, I, I didn't watch it either. But I, from what I've read, the people that were up for Grammys, I probably didn't know, you know, ninety-five percent of them. <laughs> and, uh, and for I me, that's been true. kind of purposeful. And I think that's kind of true for, for most of us. Um, you know, so are we, are we not hip? Um, I think the answer is that many of us still use the word hep and hep has been replaced by hip. So no, you know, we're, we, we don't know, we don't know the same things that younger generations know. Um, sometimes younger generations talk Tech Talk, I, I have a chapter in the book that's a glossary of Tech Talk, and most of it is, you know, incomprehensible to us. Well, you know, what I, what I meant about thinking that, um, that I'm ignorant is because they, they I think, from what I, my experience, Shonda, is that they don't think that I'm I know anything about life because I'm just an old guy I don't understand or know anything about life you know and on the other hand I think that they are so young and inexperienced that they don't know anything about life you know right so, right well, here's something fun. I so hep, you, you know, you're a you're a real hep cat. Um, <laughs> hip replaced that, but of course, hip has been replaced as well. And so I just googled what word replaced hip, and the answer is hip replacement. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's true for the boomer generation. What replaced hip? Hip replacement. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so, Neil, you are used to writing 700 words every time you have to very frequently. So I'm guessing it didn't take you a long time to put this 200 odd pages together and and cobble it together ready to print. Actually, it took me much longer than it should have. I'm I'm an inveterate editor, so um, I'll write something. And then I'll change something here and then I'll write something else and then I'll reorder something there and I'll keep tinkering and tinkering. 
And, um, you know, I may change a sentence here or change a word there or a reference point. And I do that a long, long time until you finally get to the point where you have to literally fish or cut bait and um, say, you know, the book's never going to get out if I'm going to keep doing that. I like editing. I think um, I think lots of people can write. I think quality writing comes from editing and the hardest thing to edit is your own stuff you know i can edit other people's work um my wife is an editor fortunately so i had an in-house editor um to help with the book um but i tinkered for a long time so the book the full gestation period of the book was probably two and a half to three years okay do you use a formatting software or did you just put it all together in word format it was all in word format because formatting software sounds immediately too complicated for me Amen. well it is <laughs> i started using scrivener recently and you have to take a college class to be able to figure out how to use the thing before you can put your words into it so you know, uh, it's, I, I, it's, i'm yeah, I, I just find, um, I, and I think this is true of a lot of people um, in the baby boom generation, we know how to do the stuff we know how to do. And if anything is different from that, like, oh my God, they changed my homepage. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and the, and the, the oh, most dangerous, scary words I think any of us have ever heard is you're ready for an update. Oh, and, oh I hate yes. those. And no, so I, 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 I work, I work in word because it's something I know how to do. Um, my wife has tried desperately to teach me track changes because that's a way you can edit things and see what changes you've made. And um, I think it's a losing battle. <laughs> Nothing makes me break out of sweat, break out into sweat faster, Neil, than the words coming up on my screen. We have updated. Yeah, yeah, because what that means is I have to go learn a whole new thing now. That, and and you, like I said, we know the things we know when when it's somehow a little bit different and i think that's one of the major differences between generations the kids who have grown up with the technology aren't scared of changes the older generation my generation we have this feeling that if we do something wrong now we're going to break it you know there goes the whole internet <laughs> you're you you know me you know me so well neil <laughs> Well, I have this this thought that part of the reason they make updates is simply to remove one piece of your favorite feature and watch what we do. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, um, so you there's used a private camera watching us going, oh, my God, what do I do now? Yeah, well, 1984 warned about that, and I think we're there. So <laughs> there really are cameras everywhere. Um the paper house publisher you used the paper house how did you find them um through uh, dogged research 
um, and um, they were a company, they're based in New Jersey, that um, had some experience with um, similar books. Um, they have good distribution, which was important to me, um, to get books into bookstores and get it on Amazon, because God knows um, that's where most books are sold. Um, they also had um, good editorial services. And um, I think maybe the most important thing that I liked um, what they did with covers. I liked the cover of my book very much. They went through a lot of different um, 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 examples of the cover until I was fully satisfied, and they've been good to work with. Oh, that's great. And so you would recommend them then to other authors? I, I, I would. They, they, um, they've done a good job when I suggested something, oh, I don't like, you know, the color of the paper. Um, they were able to change it. They were very responsive to all um, to all of my questions and um, and concerns. And I think the, the book has turned out well and they deserve credit for that. Yeah, well, it's a very interesting read. Um, before we close this out, do you have a favorite section of the book, whether it was more fun to write or whether you think it's the, the, the most fun to read? What's your favorite part of your book? You know, this is going to sound bizarre, but I think my favorite part of the book, and it came very late in the process. So everything in the book is a joke. Um, you know, the, the, the advice is, is supposed to be funny and supposed to be jokey. The about the author is um is funny and and a little bit silly the last thing in the book the last few pages are in fact the index and the index is funny and i really had a lot of fun writing the index it starts with the the first item in the index is aches and it says aches see pains <laughs> um, and it, it it goes on in that way, and I think I know it's uh, an odd thing to say, but I, I really think that I really enjoyed the index. The last item in the index is zip codes, and I give a number of different zip codes, including my own. <laughs> Nice. Well, and I liked you that you included a, an older picture of yourself from the hip days, the hep days, and the now picture of yourself. And you're about the author area. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I liked I that was an idea that I had late in the process uh, of then and now um, picture to show that, you know, um, my hair is no longer dark black and long. Um, my beard is is gray, but I'm still hanging in there. Yeah, and doing very well. Well, I really appreciate you coming to talk to me and sharing your book with us. And I hope that it is purchased far and wide because it is a delightful read. Well, thank you very much. It's been a delight um, talking to you, Shonda, and, and being on the podcast.